Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Good to see everybody here tonight. Good to see Jeff Small here. There he is. Welcome to the fellowship group. Tonight, we got Joe Alley teaching on the worst trade deal ever. We'll see with some Trump jokes. We'll see. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be Genesis 25 and 27. So verses will be up here on the screen. And some nice pictures also. Look at that. This is going to, you know, sometimes you can tell a teacher is going to be good by the PowerPoint. So this last week. Okay. Right here. Beautiful, beautiful. Even better than Craig's. Uh, just kidding. But, so tonight, I think there's no activity. No. So we're just kind of hanging out, having some fellowship. Uh, there's going to be CT this Saturday at 5 p.m. People digging the 5 p.m.? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely correct, yeah. Right after nap time, yeah, there's no problem nap time. So. Next Monday, I don't know if you guys peruse Facebook very often, but this is the official announcement. We finally have our Fuse Giving Day. It's going to be next Monday. It's going to be here. It's going to be probably 6.30. Now, we could go the traditional route. Bleh. Right, we're going to do that the rest of the week. Or we can have fun with it. You guys feeling like having fun with Thanksgiving? Like different foods? I'm bringing squid. <laughs> He's having a lot of fun. Non-traditional Thanksgiving. That's what I'm pitching. I'm catching that. Eric is saying soul food and barbecue. I'm saying, all right. I'll say go. Exactly right. Exactly right. There is no home church next week. No home church. But there is a fuse giving. I'm not sure if it'll be a teacher or not. Maybe not. Quick well, 15 minute thing, probably. Yeah, then I can't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll think on that. Yeah, maybe a short one. What's that? Oh, okay, I thought you said about Paul Song. Southern <laughs> Get Paul Song up here. All right, I think that's about it for the announcement. So next week, we're going to change the details. So please don't bring a bunch of green bean casserole and whatever, whatever. Let's have fun. Soul food and barbecue, or you're going to make your own pizza? I don't care. Whatever. Let's have a non-traditional fuse giving. Squid game. Squid game next week. Anyways, that's all the announcements. Joe. Come on up, take it away. All right. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we have a few of us pray? There's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of excitement in the room. We need to harness that excitement, I think, for the Lord. Let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get started in this passage. Father, um, I just thank you so much uh, that, I don't know, we, we have like such a sweet fellowship group that uh, you want to uh, bring us together as a, you brought us together as a sweet body of Christ, that we have so much fun together. Um, I pray that uh, we can just really be hearing what you have to say for Joe tonight. Uh, that he can be clearly explaining what the, the worst trade ever is, um, and that uh, we can be uh, open to your spirits can be Yeah, well, Lord, I had a good time definitely studying for this teaching. And uh, going through this passage, I just pray that that could come across here tonight, that we could also have a good time going through it um, and get something out of it. Hear from you, Lord, hear what you're trying to speak into our lives, both as a body of Christ and then individually. So just pray for that, Lord. Pray that we'd hear from you tonight. Um, I think we will. We're opening up your your word um, and just pray for a good time. Thank you for all the things that you've been doing in our church Thank you for the upcoming Fuse Giving and Thanksgiving. Just pray for um, all that entails, you know, seeing family and all those, those kinds of things. So that could be a sweet time, hopefully. That could be a challenging time um, with some of our families and some of the personalities in our family. So just pray for that, Lord. Pray that you'd be there um, helping guide us through um, that season, this season we're in. So, amen. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the worst trade ever. Last week, if you remember, Craig taught, and he taught on Abraham and Isaac. So Abe 
was Isaac's father. Now Isaac's a man um, in his own right. He's going to have a family of his own. This week we're going to be talking about him and his family and his sons. So I say the worst trade ever. I don't know if it's the worst trade ever. Um, it's probably top, top one or two worst trades ever, I would say. I couldn't think of even a uh, sports analogy. I cannot think of a trade this bad to submit to you guys. Um, maybe you've heard this story with Esau and Jacob and the trade they make. I just picture, like, even looking at this picture, like a Ryan Reynolds voiceover. Like, let's just say Ryan Reynolds was playing Esau in the movie. He'd be like, uh, you know, it'd like freeze frame. That's me. How did we get here? I'm about to make the worst decision of my life, you know? Not only do I got red hair all over myself, I'm about to make the worst trade ever. Well, first, let's, let's, let's talk about how I got here. So let's get into the passage. So we'll be in Genesis 25 and 27 tonight. Uh, Mila really liked this, this graphic. She said, are those two babies fighting? And I said, yes, they are fighting. <laughs> so does somebody want to read Genesis 25, 19 through 22? Is Nazi okay? Yeah, that's what I got up there. All right. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of somebody, the Aramean of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said... Okay, so here you've got a picture of the children struggling um, together within her. Um, but what, what's going on here? So we learned about Abraham. I said that. And our story begins then with Isaac. And apparently Isaac isn't the spiritual giant that his father was. It's pretty hard to live up to the footsteps of your father when your father is the father of a whole faith and the whole nation. So I don't necessarily blame Isaac for that. He still uh, apparently also was a man of faith. He prayed when they had infertility, when they couldn't conceive a child, he prayed and turned to the Lord. So he still was a man of faith um, and prayed through that infertility. And then ultimately his wife, Rebecca, was able to have a child. And in fact, she had two um, and there's some foreshadowing here. These two children are struggling in the womb. So you've got a prenatal sibling rivalry. And Rebecca asked the Lord, what's going on here? Good question. So the Lord answers her and says, two nations are in your womb and two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Okay. When her days leading to the delivery were at an end, she's about to give birth, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now first came, now the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Okay, all right, that's interesting. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding to Esau's heel. So he's named Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. Um, so there's kind of a, a strange story, got a lot going on here. Um, they do the ultrasound. God gives <laughs> Rebecca the ultrasound and says, you got a lot going on in your womb. you got two nations. Um, there's a lot. It's a big womb, right? And God gives this interesting prophecy, too, that the older is going to serve the younger, which would have been pretty, a pretty untraditional thing to happen, especially in ancient times. You know, typically the oldest son would be the heir, would inherit everything. God gives a prophecy even before the kids are born that the younger would have the inheritance. The younger would be served by the older. So um, you see a picture, kind of a strange picture early on of what conflict is going to be between the boys. Okay, the last group of verses we read, they were struggling in the womb. This group of verses, they're coming out of their mother, and Jacob's holding on to the older brother's heel. So they're, they're, the fight boils over into our world. 
So when the boys grew up, fast forward a bit, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was a burly guy with all that hair, right? He was a man of the field, but Jacob was a civilized man and he lived in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Okay, <clears throat> so um, the boys grow up and we see again how opposite they are. Esau was this hairy outdoorsman, man's man, and then Jacob was a mama's boy who liked to hang out with the women. You know, he liked to be in the kitchen cooking with the women. Um, and you also see in this passage the dysfunction that's going on in their family, where Isaac was um, showing favoritism to Esau, and Rebekah was showing favoritism to Jacob, and they were at odds. So it's kind of a dysfunctional family. And I can't help but think of... <laughs> Twins. Have you guys ever seen this movie? It's yeah. freaking hilarious. But 1988 or something like that. Um, you know, they're twins, supposedly. I don't know how this happens. I'd have to go back and watch it. But this is the kind of twins that, like, Esau and Jacob are, right? It just doesn't even make sense. One guy's this big, burly, hairy, red-haired guy who loves to hunt outdoors. And another guy's this very smooth. They keep saying he's smooth. He's this smooth guy, not like like he's suave or slick or something like that, but he's just smooth skin. So apparently he uses moisturizing things or something like that. I don't know, but I get this picture like, I love the tagline on this movie poster. Only their mother can tell them apart. Okay, that's hilarious. Any movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in a comedy, I'm going to see. Add Danny DeVito, yes. Got something good going on there. Um, so these guys couldn't have been more different couldn't have been more in opposition from each other. Okay, so we're getting to the good part here. One day, Jacob cooked a stew. Esau comes in from the field and is exhausted, and Esau says to Jacob, please let me have a mouthful of that red stuff there, for I'm exhausted. Okay, red stuff. So this guy's a brute, right? Give me some of that red stuff, I'm hungry. Coming out of the field, okay? So there's actually some more foreshadowing here that's really cool. So the word for um, when Esau is saying, like, feed me, give me something to eat, the word here that's being used is uh, the same word that would be used when you would be baiting an animal. So he's saying, feed me, and really the word means, like, bait. So it's sort of a foreshadowing and a play on words here because Esau is this big hunter, but he's about to become the hunted. Like the tables are going to turn on him. So kind of cool. So Jacob, man, he doesn't beat around the bush. Maybe he's been waiting for his chance all along. He sees it and he's going to take it in verse 31. He comes straight out with it. Okay, you want some soup? You want the red stuff? Give me your birthright. How about a uh, birthright for red stuff trade straight up? Right? It proposes the most ridiculous and lopsided trade of all time. So how's this, how's this going to go over, right? What kind of negotiator is, is Esau? Esau said, look, I'm about to die, man. What use is, is the birthright to me? What use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, okay, swear to me. First swear to me. Okay, we're going to do this. You swear. So Esau swore an oath to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and, and he ate and drank, and he got up and went on his way. So Esau despised his birthright. I feel like the language here is like so matter-of-fact and flippant. Like he just gives away his birthright, swears it away, ate and drank, got up and went on his way. Like he doesn't even care. And uh, very rarely does this happen in a narrative like this. But it's so egregious, I think, that Moses breaks the fourth wall here and says, Esau despised his birthright. Very rarely in a narrative do they say, like, what's happening? Or kind of like, hey, here's what's the behind the scenes. Here's what I think about it. But it happens here. Esau despised his birthright. And we know that because he just traded it away for a bowl of soup. You know, Esau probably, um, you know, he was hungry, no doubt. He was hunting all day. It's hard work being an outdoors man and a burly guy. You know, you burn a lot of calories when you got a lot of muscle and brawn. So he probably came in and was actually hungry and he did something to eat. But he also probably thought, 
I could just say whatever I want to say to get this soup, to get this red stuff, and I'll change my mind later, and there's probably nothing Jacob can do about it because he's a little wimp. You know, he'll go back on his promise. I'll force him to do it. I'm not really going to think about it or consult with anyone. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I'll swear it, you know, whatever I have to do to get the soup. And he gets up and he leaves um, and he despises the birthright. So why was this so bad? I mean, just, just without knowing what we know, maybe if we've been coming and listening to this teaching series, um, it's pretty ridiculous to give up a birthright, to give up all the riches that the household has. You know, the father is a, a, a rich guy. He's got his estate, his money, his livestock, and things like that. Um, and in that moment, Esau is willing to give it up for a bowl of soup. But also, we know because we've been studying uh, the promise that was made to Abraham that then became Isaac's, that then was Esau was in line to inherit, inherit, which is like the greatest promise of all time, right? Genesis 12, the promise to Abraham, I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So this is what Esau was standing to inherit as a birthright and a blessing. So for him to just trade this away for a bowl of soup, like if you had something like this, you'd be like, no way, dude. I'd rather die than trade this away. There's no way, no way whatsoever. You know, Esau was set up to be this crucial player in this lineage and line. And really, he trades it away for nothing, for this temporary bowl of soup. It's tragic. He gives up something of very, very deep spiritual value, never mind, like, it's just a bad trade from a worldly sense. But he gives away deep, deep spiritual value and the opportunity to be used by God um, eternally. And there's consequences to that. And it is the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals ever. You called it, Rich. You got Donald Trump up here. I mean, say what you want about Donald Trump, but he knows a bad trade deal when he sees it. And this is an awful trade deal in the history of trade deals. Maybe it's the worst one ever. He's right. That's what he was talking about there. That's what he was talking about. Must have been right. I cannot think of a worse trade deal than this trade deal. I really cannot. Okay. So Esau, I don't think Esau really uh, realized how much he was throwing away. Again, I, I think he probably thought he could go back on it. It was sort of an impulsive decision um, until it was too late. And then he couldn't go back on it. He probably thought I could just, you know, I could just take it back from Jacob. Um, he ends up trying to do that anyway. Um, but there ends up being consequences of this deal he makes um, and it, it doesn't end up that way. He can't get it back. So let's see what happens. Genesis 27. Somebody want to read this for me, please? Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son, he said to him, Here I am. And Isaac said, Behold now, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare a delicious meal for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. Okay, so it's birthright time. Like, finally, the time is now. Isaac is blind. He doesn't know when he's going to die. It's going to be soon. Apparently, this game that Esau catches is just the best ever. So, hey, go catch me some of that game, fix me up a meal like I love, and I'm going to impart the birthright to you. So here you, you still see the favoritism in this family where very clearly God had given a prophecy to Rebekah that um, the younger was going to be served by the older. And Isaac is prepared to go against that, to go against God's direction for some game. So sort of a sins of the father situation here where you got the one, the, the son is willing to trade it away 
for a bowl of soup, and then the father is willing to go against what God's saying for some game, maybe, because he favors Esau because he's uh, able to catch that sweet, sweet game. So 5 through 10, uh, there's another dysfunctional character in this story. We got more than one dysfunctional parent, and Rebecca bursts on the scene. She was listening the whole time while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a delicious meal for me so that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. So now is our chance. Now, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there so that I may prepare them as a delicious meal for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. Okay, so this is a scheming wife right here. She starts scheming. Rebecca favors Jacob, and she knows that the Lord um, desires to put Jacob in the inheritance spot and not Esau. So she hatches a plan of her own, but there's a problem with this plan. You got some very different looking boys here. And Jacob's going to point this out. Jacob said to his mother, uh, you know, Esau, my brother, is a hairy, hairy guy, and I'm a very, very smooth man. He must have been like a smooth, like very, like smooth. I don't know. Like, I just think that uh, somebody brought this up as I was studying for this teaching, so I can't take credit for this. But if you're going to go to the trouble to chisel something like Moses is chiseling this, right? And he mentions that Jacob is smooth like three or four times. This must have been a very important detail. He's just chiseling that this is a smooth man. He's got smooth skin. That to me is sort of funny. So perhaps my father will touch me, right? Like he's going to reach out and touch me and he'll know I'm not Esau because I'm not hairy at all. I'm smooth, mom. And I'll be like a deceiver in his sight, and I'll bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But Rebecca said to him, your curse be on me, my son. Okay, don't worry about that. I got you. Only obey my voice and go and get the goats for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made a delicious meal such as his father loved. Then Rebecca took the best garments of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. And she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. So she also gave the delicious meal and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. So she goes like, okay, you make a good point here. You know, your father can't see, but he's going to be able to reach out and touch you. And he'll know you're not Esau unless we make you really, really hairy. And we put Esau's clothes on you so you smell like Esau. And we send you in there with the game that, uh, Isa, uh, that uh, Isaac likes. So what's going to happen here? Okay, Jacob goes in. It's the moment of truth. He comes to his father Isaac and he says, My father, uh, you know, and he said, uh, here, uh, You know, Isaac calls out, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Uh, Jacob said to his father, uh, I'm, I'm Esau. You know, he's like clearing his throat or something. <laughs> I'm Esau. I'm your firstborn. I've done just as you told me. Come now, sit and eat my game so that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, how is it that you've, you, you, you have it so quickly? How'd you get it so quickly? I just told you to go out and you got it already. This is strange. So Jacob says, because the Lord your God made it come to me. Oh, scheming, scheming, Jacob. Okay. All right. So, like, it was bad before. I mean, he's a smooth dude. It was bad before, but it's pretty audacious to bring the name of the Lord into this now. Okay, so this is, this is getting to be quite a scheme that's being hatched. Um, and then Isaac says to Jacob, please come close so that I may fill you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Okay, I can't see so good. You don't really sound like Esau, but I'm old. Come here. I'll know if you're Esau or not by your hairiness. So Jacob came close to his father, Isaac, and he touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed them. So they're able to fool dad here with the hairy, the old hairy hand trick. 
<laughs> Full is dead. Hits him with the hairy hands. Works every time. But I got to make sure. I got to make sure. Isaac says, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob says, yeah, I am. So he says, bring, okay, bring me the meal. And I want to eat of my son's game that I may bless you. So Jacob brings it to him and he ate. And he also brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So Jacob came close, disguised as Esau, and kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him. So apparently, you know, Esau's clothes smelled like Esau. Um, and the hairiness and the, the smell on the clothes was enough to fool Isaac. And Isaac blesses Jacob, thinking it's Esau. So minutes later, just a few minutes later, Esau is back. Ooh, this is trouble now. Because he's a hairy dude, man. He does not look like he's going to take this, this uh, lightly. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of his father, Isaac, just in the nick of time that his brother Esau came in from his hunting. Esau had also made a delicious meal and brought it to his father, and he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? Uh-oh. Esau said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Of course. And then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who then was he who hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate from all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. Oh, no. So when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me as well, father. Uh, but it's likely too late. So what is Esau's reaction going to be? Um, you know, is it going to be repentance or a contrite heart? You know, he did trade away the birthright after all. No, his reaction is going to be the opposite. So Isaac says, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Sorry, dude. There's nothing I can do about it. Esau says, is he not rightly named Jacob? So Jacob could mean the supplanter or the deceiver. So he deceived again. For he has betrayed me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Okay, dude, Jacob didn't take away your birthright. You traded it for a bowl of soup, man. So how quickly you forget your role in this whole situation, right? God had this incredible plan for you to partake in, and you discarded that and traded it away. And now you're blaming Jacob. Okay, not exactly Esau. That's not exactly how it happened. So Esau asked, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I have made him your master. It's done. The deal's done. And I have given to him all his relatives as servants. And with all and with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? I've given it all to him. Give him the whole blessing. I don't know what to tell you. Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing? Maybe there's a blessing in the back. Can you check? <laughs> Bless me as well, my father. So Esau raised his voice and wept. It was too late. You know, there's, there's only one blessing. The blessing's been given. It's been conferred. Um, and it's too late. So apparently in ancient times, this, this would be a legally binding thing. When a deathbed uh, will or blessing or birthright was given, that was it. That was a legally um, binding thing. You couldn't go back on it. Um, that was that. Um, so really what this is, again, it's a picture of a really dysfunctional family. Man, brother against brother. Um, you know, you've got a scheming Isaac. You've got um, Esau ignoring God's will willing to trade it all away and then forgets that and blames it on somebody else. And then you've got Rebecca um, and Jacob scheming to get their way, using the, the name of the Lord to do so. Um, it's like an ancient soap opera or something. It's crazy, right? It's days of our lives um, in ancient times. So what can we learn? Hopefully we can learn something from this. I think we can. 
God is going to tell us actually in Hebrews. Does somebody want to get Hebrews 12? Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. Afterward, as you know, he, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Yeah. So what can we learn from this? Our actions have consequences. Don't be like Esau, who traded away this opportunity to be involved in God's eternal plan for a bowl of soup. You know, afterwards, he realized what a dumb, dumb decision he had made. And even though he cried really hard about it, it didn't change what happened or what the consequences were going to be. And these consequences were harsh. You know, there's no getting around that. It seems really, really harsh. You know, does one bad decision doom us forever? Is that what God's saying here? Because uh, Esau was hangry after a hunt. Is God done with him? Is he rejected? Well, not exactly. That's not what's being said here. We see all throughout the Bible, we know this hopefully, if we've been studying the Bible or we've been coming around for some time, that God does not work like that. Um, John 6, 37 says, The one who comes to me, I, certainly, I will certainly not cast out. So God is always <laughs> willing to welcome us back with open arms, right? When we do something wrong or when we stray from him, he's always willing to welcome us back. We've got plenty of stories like that in the Bible. The prodigal son, um, you know, squanders everything, comes back, and the father's waiting and runs to him and puts the robe on him and, and cooks a feast, right? But it doesn't change the fact that that prodigal son blew the family fortune on prostitutes and alcohol. That fortune was never coming back to him. Just in the same way, it doesn't change the fact that Esau blew his chance to be part of God's plan in the lineage of Abraham. We don't get to choose the consequences. You know, we get to choose and make decisions, but we don't get to choose what happens sometimes when we make those decisions. Sometimes the consequences can't be undone. Sometimes you can't go back, even though you're really, really sorry and you wish it wouldn't have happened that way. So in the end... Esau did sort of get what he wanted. In the moment, he wanted soup. He wanted to eat. But he wanted the red stuff. He got the red stuff. And he got the bread, too. He got bread. So he got more than he was even wanting. He got bread and soup. He also ended up getting Isaac's estate. You know, the worldly inheritance. He got the estate. He got the property. He got the wealth. He actually threatened Jacob's life, and Jacob hit the road, and he ended up getting that inheritance, which was really what he seemed to be after anyway. Um, and the cool thing, though, about Esau is he did seem to become a believer at some point later on in his life. So there's some evidence for that in the scriptures that later on in life he reconciles with Jacob. He's acknowledging Jacob's role as the heir. He's praying that Jacob be blessed, that sort of thing. So um, I think it's fair to say he became a believer and he's still able to be used by God, even though he made this dumb, dumb decision. God isn't done with him. He comes back to God. God's able to use him still. But again, he lost out on the covenant with God. He lost out on his role there. He traded it away. It was gone forever. He couldn't undo that consequence. So I think pretty clearly, pretty obviously, there's strong application for us in this story. I think of choose your own adventure books. You guys know about these? <laughs> Did you ever read these when you were little? I love these books, but I could never like ever get to a good outcome ever when I read the books. They would always start with this, this disclaimer, like it was going to be some intense book you were reading. Beware and warning. You and you alone are in charge of what happens in this story. So you, if you guys never read these books, it would be like you'd be on an adventure. You know, you've got like uh, Space Patrol or the Abominable Snowman. You'd be on this like crazy adventure or something. And then like you come to a door. You hear a scream behind the door. What are you going to do? Are you going to open the door? Turn to page 20. Are you going to run the other way? Turn to page 33. 
So you like turn to page 20. Okay, I'm gonna open the door. Oh no, an octopus attacks me. Okay. In, in Choose Your Own Adventure though, you could always go back and try to do it over again, right? You could always go back and, and do it over again. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't so ominous. The consequences weren't that severe. Um, but we, in life, it's, it's, not, it's not like this at all. You know, we open a door or don't, we have to live with the consequences of that decision. And whether we like it or not, we make significant choices all the time. Whether we realize it or not, that shape our lives, they impact other people's lives, they can impact eternity. And we're not always aware of that, I think. I think we can go through life thinking that, oh, I'm just hungry. I just need a bowl of soup, and I'm going to be good. That's my need, and I've got to focus on that need. And can miss out on some other things. So Colossians 3.25, will somebody read that verse, please? For the one who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and not without partiality. Ooh, that's, that's rough. So if you do something wrong, you're going to get the consequences of the wrong which, which he has done without partiality. So uh, just because I'm a Christian, just because I believe in God, just because I follow Jesus, doesn't mean God is always going to protect me from my decisions. If I make a dumb decision, or if I make a decision that I really didn't think about and I really didn't know what was going to happen, um, sometimes I experience real consequences. We see this in the Bible. We saw this here tonight with Esau. We've probably experienced this too in our own life, where we've made a decision that had real consequences and we regretted it. Um, this verse seems very doom and gloom, seems very ominous. It's sobering for sure. But it also, um, it also indicates uh, what a merciful God, God is, where he lets us experience the consequences of our actions. I just think, what would have happened to Esau if there wouldn't have been any consequences for his actions? I don't think he would have ended up a believer, probably. He would have just thought, I could do whatever I want to do and trade away whatever I want to trade away, and it doesn't matter. I'll just take it back with force whenever I'm ready to take it back. So by experiencing the consequences of his decision, he was able to be humbled, and I think that's probably a reason that he was able to turn back to God and have a relationship with him. So I think the same way God lets us experience the consequences of some of our decisions, so we can do the same thing. We can realize, man, that was stupid. I really don't want to do that next time. Lord, help me not to do that next time. Now I see I can't make life work on my own. I need you, Lord. So in a way, this is a very merciful thing that the Lord does. Let's us experience the consequences of our actions. I just think about me and my own spiritual journey. I made some decisions very early on that looking back, I don't even understand really why I made that decision. But... Uh, Somebody mentioned casually that there was going to be a Bible study in Kent, and I just thought I would go because I was lonely, because I didn't really have anything better to do, because I kind of knew some people there. I decided I would go, and that turned out to be a really cool decision that had really cool consequences <laughs> eternally. Um, later on, as I was struggling with, am I going to follow Jesus or not? You know, I've got a decision to make here. Um, people are encouraging me to make a decision for Christ. People are encouraging me um, to pray to him. I don't know if I really want to do that. And at the same time, I was trying to make life work on my own, and I was experiencing the consequences of that and what that looked like. I couldn't do it. I was thinking, oh, this other stuff will make me happy. This other stuff will make me fulfilled. And it wasn't working. I was experiencing the consequences, and that led me to one day decide, you know what? I've done this on my own long enough. I want to turn to you, Lord. And if what you say is true, I want to experience that. I want to try it your way for once. And from there, that ended up being a really good decision and a really good um, consequence that happened. You know, the Lord came into my heart. He changed me. He continues to change me. Um, he lets me make life work when I let him uh, make my life work. 
And it turned out to be a good decision, right, with good consequences. That's why I'm here today. So there's a ominous and sort of sobering aspect to this, and there's a really, really cool aspect to this also, where, um, you know, this is all throughout the Bible. When we make decisions for the Lord, um, there's great, great consequences, really good consequences, really good results. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what we're created for. We're created to follow God and follow him in the meaningful things, the significant things, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. So God has the same sort of plan and inheritance for us as he did for Esau, as he did for Jacob, as he does with everyone who follows him. But we have to decide, do we want to participate in that or not? He doesn't force that on us. He lets us make the choice. So the first step in that choice is asking Jesus for forgiveness, asking Jesus to come into your heart for a relationship with him. And then once he's in your heart, once he's in your life, um, we can continue to seek out his choices. Like it says here, um, the good works which God prepared beforehand so we can walk in him. We can seek those choices out and choose the Lord's direction and experience more and more of these good works and these good things and these good consequences. So really quickly, we'll wrap it up. Some takeaways. Maybe you guys are arriving at your own conclusions, but I've got three of my own here. So the first takeaway is there is no such thing as a hunger so great that it justifies trading away the will of God. Right? Okay, so we saw a really silly story of somebody trading away the will of God for a bowl of soup. I hope we never do that. Um, I don't believe I, Esau was so hungry he was going to die. I just don't believe it, where he had to trade away all that God was going to do for him for a bowl of soup. Just in the same way, we too, I think, can have really, really strong feelings and desires that can overwhelm us at times, that can cause us to want to go in a different direction God would have us go. I'm sure we can think of some, some times and some things like that in our life. You know, the pool um, for a romantic partner, for companionship, to fill the loneliness in life, I think is a very strong one. The pool for a career or money sometimes can be so overwhelming that I want to go in a different direction maybe I know God has for me. Um, there are a bunch of things like that. I'm not saying that those things aren't good in and of themselves. Um, food is good, right? It's okay to have a bowl of soup. Um, if you're hungry, please eat a bowl of soup or something else. Just the same way if you're lonely, please find friends and companionship. Um, if you need money, please get a job. I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm saying... When those things take over and they become our desire that overrides the things that God is trying to do in our lives, um, that's a bad thing. Secondly, um, to quote Gladiator, what we do in life echoes in eternity. So decisions matter. They do. They really, really do. Um, we talked about some of those decisions tonight. We've seen that play out in this story. We have an opportunity to choose for God, both to enter into a relationship with him first and one time. And then once we do that, we have a decision to follow him daily and in moment by moment, you know, every day thereafter. If we decide to share Christ with somebody or not, this is big. This can impact eternity. You know, sometimes we get a prompting from the Holy Spirit to go and talk to our neighbor, and we don't. Um, sometimes we do. Um, you know, every day there's opportunities like that. Sometimes we have an opportunity to encourage somebody. And either we take that opportunity or we don't. And maybe that was the one opportunity that person had to get encouraged that day or that week or that month. And we missed it. And that has great ramifications. Uh, we have the opportunity to forgive or stay bitter. So if we forgive, maybe we restore that relationship. Um, if we stay bitter, maybe that relationship never gets restored and we sink deeper and deeper into destruction. So these are major, major, long-lasting, impactful decisions that
that matter. And then finally, I think, optimistically, focus on the future and not the past, right? If you make a stupid decision, like you give up a bowl of soup for a birthright, you, you, you know, you try as you might, you just can't get the birthright back. You've got to experience the consequences of that. Uh, what can you do, right? Are you going to continue on in life and just be sad forever? Um, or are you going to focus on the future and move forward? If we know Jesus, if we have a relationship with God, our life always has hope. So we can make stupid decisions, and we will, we will make stupid decisions, um, but our life is never ruined or um, you know, past the point of no return um, by these past choices. So even though, um, like Esau, we sometimes do lose out on opportunities and experience consequences, we can always move forward with God. So here's a good verse for that, written by somebody who knows how to move forward with God. So the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians, Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So that's what it's all about, right? If anyone had regrets, it was Paul who dedicated the first portion of his life to uh, persecuting Christians, to being anti-Jesus, um, so there was some obvious regrets there. He probably wished that he wouldn't have done that. Probably, probably wished he could go back and spend more time um, following Jesus and less time not following Jesus, right? Us, it's easy to look back on some of the things that we've done with a lot of regret. I've done some really, really stupid things, and I can stay up at night thinking, like, why did I do that? Um, how would my life have been different if I didn't do that? Those sort of things... But I don't know that that's very fruitful. Um, you know, I think in a way, the consequences, the being sad about it, um, that plays a role. And the role that that plays is leading us back to Jesus. And once that happens, we, we press on forward with him. You know, I can move forward with God. Um, the gravity of decisions works both ways, right? Just the same way negative consequences have great impact. One decision for the Lord in the right direction can have that eternal impact again. So that's where I'm going to end. I hope everybody's thinking about that. What is God calling you to do specifically today? Today when you hear his voice. Have you heard his voice today um, or not? If you haven't, you know, get with him in prayer and ask him. And then when you hear his voice, choose to listen. Move forward. So that's what I have. Questions, comments? soup was right there. The soup was right there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, the sweet thing is, as you were talking like, later on in your last section, one of the things that's been striking me most recently today, actually, is like, why are you thinking about, what, why are you so worried about what you did yesterday or the day before? Why aren't you living as a forgiven, holy daughter for the creator of God? Not because of what I did or didn't do yesterday or the day before, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? And so it was like a, a fresh, a breath of fresh air today to me. Like, oh, I've been getting on that cycle of just thinking about myself and my circumstances and my life, and oh, that's a black pit. I don't want to stay there too yeah. long, you know. So, but I mean, the truth is. I'm much more quick to be like Esau and just, I just want the soup. You know? That's the, that's the reality of it. But I don't have to stay stuck there. Yeah. So that's cool. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of that verse, the Hebrew, well, it's in the Old Testament also, but Hebrews 
3.15 today if you hear his voice. You know, what does God got for me today? I can't worry about what happened yesterday. Um, I can't worry about what's going to happen, you know, the day after tomorrow. What today can I do to follow the Lord? I think it's helpful. satisfied for the moment yeah yeah and I mean I think that's yeah yeah it's and then now he he lives forever in infamy too we were talking about him today um, you know it's one uh, it was it's funny because like you can always tell did a Bible character live a good life or like are they somebody we shouldn't be like by do we know a lot of people named Esau no, <laughs> you know we know a lot. We know some people named Isaac. We know some people named Rebecca. We know some people named Jacob, Abraham. But I don't know too many Esau's. So well, if like, you think of just what he, I mean, he, if you analyze all the things of his life, he actually probably was a more upstanding person than Jacob. But he's remembered potentially. Potentially, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because Jacob, Jacob was deceiving. Jacob, yeah, we're going to get into that. Like Jacob was not. You know, it wasn't like he got the birthright because he did everything right. We saw that he was scheming and scamming, and the Lord is going to deal with him um, also. So Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, that's for sure. So, yeah, you could make an argument, probably Esau. Um, that's probably maybe where some of his decision-making came in. You know, probably to some of the things that... I like narratives because there's a lot of unsaid things, so you can maybe surmise what's going on behind the scenes. This probably wasn't the first time that Jacob was trying to trick... Esau or get the birthright from him. It was probably just the time that he finally said, okay, I'm, I'm hungry enough that, yeah, whatever you want, man, um, I'll give it to you. Because for that to be the first time he came out with it, I don't think so. No way, dude. Like, what a bad trade. But he probably heard it a hundred times from him. Uh, okay, fine. You know, fine, mama's boy. You know, okay, give me my suit. See ya. So... He could have been thinking to himself, too, you know, Dad's never going to give you that blessing, so whatever. Right. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he was, right? I'm sure he thought, I can just take it back. That's what he tried to do. He ended up getting, I think, the portion of it that he was after. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. He probably didn't think it was going to be eternal ramifications. Alex? Uh, I read somewhere, I heard in the teaching, but I think that his biggest problem was that he he had low regard for God's, for God basically, right? Because the blessing of birthright is something that God instituted. And it makes me think of people that, like, you know, friends and family and whatever, that have low regard for God right now, that they say, you know, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, I don't really need it. And ultimately, they're rejecting God. Like, you know, he's rejected his blessing, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, he despised his... It said, I mean, it says in Scripture he despised his blessing. They give us that insight, which is very rare. Um, usually it's just the story, and we have to make our own, um, you know, conclusions and implications and yeah. all that. But it, it literally says he despised his, his birthright. There, there are a lot more Esau's running around than Jacob's yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of um, what most people would have trouble with is this is just a, such a bad trade. That if you're going to trade away something good, you better get something back, right? That's good. And what he got back was was like so temporary. Um, you know, a lot of us, myself included, we're willing to trade away 
opportunities and things like that for, okay, you better give me something good and maybe I will trade that away. You know, like a really good job? I might think about it. You know, that sort of thing. So I think that that's one thing I was thinking about as I was studying this, that, um, you know, the story is so crazy because he trades it away for so little. And my first thought is like, why wouldn't he like try to get more if he's going to trade it away? But it's the same thing. It's all temporary versus this eternal thing that God's trying to do. There's nothing that you could trade that would stack up to. But he was giving up. Hey, Rebecca? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -oh. yeah. We got good um, name ideas for things. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, uh, I was just thinking about Jacob, and like I always stress out a lot about like, trying to do things good, and, like trying to, trying to like, I don't know, not mess anything up ever. It stresses me out a lot, and just thinking about like, you know, how Esau just didn't care about the things of God, and like Jacob was a real snake. Like he's not a good dude. But, like, he was not a good dude that really cared about the things that God cared about. Mm -hmm. And, like, he, he went about this in a way that I don't think was good. But, like, he really wanted God's blessing. Like, he really wanted to be part of God's plan. Like, he had, like, he wanted it. Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I think that that's cool. You know? Like, he real screwed it up. But, like, <laughs> he did it. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta respect that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that that's, I mean... I think we'll, we'll study about that, but that's probably what God saw too, that you know, ultimately he had the kind of heart that he could mold and um, would be willing to have molded by God, and that's probably why God was, was wanting to do that, despite all of, the, you know, all of the issues that he had, which were many. Um, you know, that's probably what God saw. You see that throughout the Bible, that God isn't afraid to use people with issues. You know, he seems to delight in it power perfected and weakness sort of thing. This guy is a weak, weak, smooth, smooth guy. <laughs> so, so. I'm thinking about it, I feel like I should share it, but it might be jumbled up a bit. But, um, it made me, this story made me think about my father-in-law, who I was just talking to before I came, actually. His um, wife, my mother-in-law, was in a heart surgery today, and both of them are pretty anxious this week, and he's 80, and um, kind of like you were saying, Alex, he's um, against God, has no regard for God, and we've had lots of conversations with him about, like, hey, there's evidence here, hey, these are things to be considering about God, and he's, he's just kind of, like, blows off, like, I don't know, I'll figure it out, I'll think about it later, and um, mm -hmm. there's reality to this, that he's 80, though, and, you know, the story makes, it's, reminds me, and what you were saying, Alex, it's like, how could he, how could he do this? Like, how could Esau do this? He knew his birthright, you know, he knew this time was coming, but in the, like, in the immediate time, he just didn't care. But so many people, like, that were friends with so many people would know, like, that haven't made that decision to follow God, they, they do it too. They think, well, like, oh, well, I'll just figure it out later, or like, death isn't near, but, you know, the sombering, the sobering, like, reality is we don't know when death is coming, you know, death is near, and so, like, those are, uh, like, we've been talking about, like, good things, good reminders for those of us who are yeah. believers, but something I just wanted to touch yeah. on, too, is, you know, those who are you know, thinking about God, or, you know, but that's, you know. Yeah, I mean, I even if, um, you know, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, that, you know, there's always a chance, you know, eventually we're going to die and we don't have the opportunity anymore but even like there's opportunities that we have yeah, yeah. in the moment or we're coming to a bible study and we're hearing about Jesus where years from now we may not have those opportunities so yeah think about my and we may not be in the space to make a decision where it's like you got to make the decision now mm -hmm. uh, when you have the chance to make the decision the decision now like there is a time where, like, he was sad, he was crying, but there's nothing he could do to change that. And yeah, so God says that's true of us, too. Like, there's a point where we can't, we won't be able to make that decision about, you know, following God or not anymore when, you know, yeah. it has ended. So. Yeah, I mean, so 
yeah, if we wait 20 years, let's say we do wait 20 years, and then we do decide to follow God. Well, we missed out on 20 years of following God, you know? You still miss out, even like a, a, a choice, a, a sin of omission. You know, I don't really want to get into the Word. I don't, you know, you miss out on that opportunity. You can't ever go back and, and do that. So... Yeah. It's, it's sobering. Yeah, there's times where I've been had opportunities and didn't take them. And you have to live with a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know what they could have been, and sometimes you'll never know. So. All right. Anything else? Okay. You brought some, somebody brought something up just momentary, a moment ago. And it was interesting, uh, kind of caught my thoughts or mind with uh, that Jacob may have had a heart that God could mold versus maybe, I don't know if it was said that Esau maybe didn't have a heart that God could mold, maybe, oh, and then that goes into the, the parable of the soil, you know, having a, a good heart mm-hmm. that God can shape and mold, and, but he does that in our lives anyway, you know, but it just was brought up that you know, Jacob had a heart that God could mold. And maybe uh, maybe Esau at one point didn't. Maybe later on he did. Yeah. Have a heart, you know. Yeah, it's, it seems like, I mean, Esau, it seems like later on in his life he did become a believer and he did, um, you know, he did some things that would indicate that he had a softer heart and probably understood what he missed out on and, and that sort of thing, so... You know, I think probably it was God's, um, God letting him experience the consequences of his decision that, that led to some of that. So. All right. Well, why don't we have a few of us pray, and then we'll have no activity. God, you went to a great cost to give us free will, to let us choose things. Um, and it's, a, it's a, a weighty gift. It's a very significant gift. You give us the, the opportunity to, the choice, the freedom to choose love or to choose not love, uh, to choose our own selves or to choose uh, loving somebody else. Um, and that's not always a one-time thing. Lord, often... Uh, there's small choices every day that we can we can choose to love people around us uh, in, a, in a real way um, that could be impactful to them and to you or to the, to your kingdom. I, I pray you help us to see those, Lord, and to take them. Um, I'm thankful that you are a God who loves us and isn't going to hold a, a, a missed opportunity or a missed choice ahead of us uh, over us. But you give us mercy and grace, and that you use uh, messed up people that that have done messed up things to do wonderful things in your kingdom. Um, so I thank you for your mercy and your grace, and I pray you put it on our hearts, Lord, to, to want to follow you um, in, in the in the minute-by-minute minute minute things with, with our kids or our spouses or our roommates or whoever we're close with, Lord, that you want us, you put us there to love people. Um, and so I, I pray you help us to see the opportunity we have, the eternal opportunity we have to love someone in, in a minute today or tomorrow. Yeah, God, thank you for this uh, this fellowship here. Thank you for this uh, yeah, this home church. Uh, it's been great meeting with these guys here for so long. Thank you for tonight's teaching. Um, yeah, God, just identify with what Carrie was saying. Just seeing more and more of Esau and me uh, as the days go along. Sometimes just, uh, just knowing your will, but choosing against it, or just uh, being passive about something. So I just pray, God, for all of us here that we'd see uh, kind of just how much like Esau we are day to day and repent and to turn towards you and to step into like what uh, Ephesians 2 says that you know we're your, your workmanship you've created good things for us to, to step into God uh, things that are exciting and adventurous and um, full of life so yeah God I pray we can choose you and, and choose life mm-hmm.
do second those prayers. Uh, do thank you for this story. I uh, love this book, going through this book, these old stories, how applicable they are to us today. Uh, do thank you that we have an opportunity to participate in that blessing and birthright um, that, was, that was talked about in this passage where, um, you know, you want to make us heirs to your kingdom, Lord. You want us to become children of God. You offer that as a free gift that, you know, we're able to decide for or against. So, um, you know, that... That free will, that that choice is so significant to you that, um, you know, you give it to all of us. We can make ourselves. So I just pray for that, Lord, um, that we'd be mindful of that um, today and going forward, that we have the opportunity to participate in that plan. And today, if we hear your voice, um, you know, the, the chance to respond to that in a positive way. So just pray for that, Lord. Um, the kinds of opportunities and significance that you have for us um, is cool. You know, the good works you've prepared for us. Help us see those things. Help us take advantage of those opportunities. And I just pray, I mean, just thinking about my own decision to follow you, Lord. Um, I pray for anybody else working through that decision on their own, that you'd be revealing yourself um, to that person or those persons, Lord, that um, you're a good God. You've prepared good works and good things and significance, and uh, all we have to do is take you up on that offer of forgiveness and uh, invite you into our life. So pray for that for, for anybody who's thinking about that, that they take that opportunity and make that decision. Amen. Amen.